0: So you just bought your nice new house and what happens when something goes wrong or something breaks? We have you covered. We have vetted several contractors, whether it be from a break in your sprinkler lines or your kid punched a hole in the wall and you just need a handyman. You have access to these people by following our page. And these are people that we know and trust. Hey everyone, this is Tara Lynn. And I would just like to give a personal thank you to everybody who has left us a review. They are so kind. I seriously get like teared up when I read them. Um, One of my most current favorites is from a mom. She says that our podcast came out about when her first baby was born and she'd listen to our episodes on every walk that she'd go on. And she felt like she had like, her best friends walking with her. So I just want to let you guys know that, um, we've had a lot of people say that we feel like they feel like we are their friends. And I want you guys to know that we think about you guys all the time as our listeners. And we, I totally feel like you're our friends as well. So I just want to thank you for leaving us a review and let you know, it is so helpful for us and our podcast success when you do leave us a kind review so thank you um if you are willing to leave us one you just go to search find the magic on apple podcasts and then you scroll to the bottom of the page and leave a review and then you make sure you push send after you leave the review and give us a rating thank you so so much and hope you have a beautiful day Hi, everybody. This is Tara Lynn and I am here with Claire Tanzi. We loved her so much on our uh, podcast a few months ago that we decided that as we kind of focus on simplifying this month and kind of have a focus on sometimes after the holidays, things get, I mean, things are so fun and they can get a little crazy and some of us, myself included, have a desire to, you know, as we clear away the decorations in our house and everything's just a little bit more organized looking, a little bit more bare, it's kind of nice to, I love it. I just breathe it in and I kind of have a desire to simplify my life a little bit. So Claire, for those of our listeners who have not um, heard our last podcast, which I will link here. In the show notes, could you just give us a little intro to yourself, and then we will jump right into how all of us can make our lives a little bit easier this month when it comes to cooking food for our family. And we'll be talking this time about some different things. So even if you heard her first episode, we're taking a little different approach, and Claire's going to give us a lot more tips that we have not received before. So I'm really excited. Oh, yeah, well, it's lovely to be back. Um, So I'm Claire Tanzi. I
1: am a cookbook author and a cooking teacher. Um, My focus is on home cooks and making dinner easier for home cooks, um, because I really love dinner and I think it can be the best part of your day. Um, I live in Toronto, Canada with uh, my eight year old son and my husband, Michael and we're on the waiting list for a puppy so that's going to be our exciting news this year oh my
0: word what kind of a puppy
1: a labrador it, it, this has been a long uh, prolonged campaign by my son and i on my husband and we finally got him so now we're on the
0: waiting list oh that's fun so tell me um tell me when you're gonna get your puppy
1: so this is so funny. This is like, it's like in the old days when I used to watch eBay auctions. So apparently she's getting pregnant this week. And if if our puppy gets pregnant this week, or if our mama gets pregnant this week, then we will have a puppy to bring home in May, which seems like forever, uh, forever uh, in the future. But do you know what? We are super excited because um, a little hope in the future for a little fluffy little baby to come into our lives is pretty
0: exciting. Yes. Oh, that's so fun. Okay. Well, I love that. Tell me more about, um, so you're definitely going to be needing some extra simplification in your meals (laughs) coming up because puppies are like small children. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Amount of effort. So let's just, um, jump right in then tell us, uh, how can we as mothers and fathers or people who don't have children, tell us how we can, really focus on simplifying our dinner process to make it so that it's something that we're not dreading all the time. Cause I, we get messages all the time from people who are saying, Oh, like my family just, I mean, they have to eat so much, right? There's just so many times you have to feed your family. So tell us your few favorite, your new tips for us.
1: Yeah. It's, it's that problem question that comes across our minds or is asked of us at some point in the day, hey, mom, or hey, dad, what's for dinner? Um, Often I get asked that question as I'm serving dinner. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then if there's any kind of negative response, well, you can imagine you feel like punching someone. Mm -hmm. Um, So we, you know, that question of what's for dinner, we have to answer it every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's actually why I wrote my second book, Dinner Uncomplicated, because Mm -hmm. that question comes up every single day. And so how can we answer that question without adding stress to our lives. And in fact, can we eliminate the stress of that 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 question can sometimes bring into our lives? Because sometimes somebody asks that question, you just get this pit in your stomach like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't have any time to cook. I don't have any ideas. We probably don't have any groceries. Even if I make something, you know, I've got picky eaters, they're not going to eat it. what's the point? So there are all of these roadblocks that we all face um, in between ourselves, our regular day and getting to that family dinner. So my my number one um, strategy when it comes to simplifying and de-stressing is so it's a strategy that people get upset about sometimes, but it's meal planning, um, and that is really uh, the secret to unlocking the the freedom that can come from knowing what's for dinner. Now. I am a confirmed meal plan hater that who has been converted into a meal planner. So um, when I was writing my new book, I figured out that there isn't just one way to meal plan. And you may think of of meal planning as well. You know, you get out your markers and you write in your main course and you know, Mondays are gonna be this and Tuesdays are gonna be that. And then you just do the shopping and follow the list and everything's great. So that's what I call the classic way of meal planning. Um, And if it is working for you, I live in admiration. For a lot of people, however, that can feel restrictive and limiting and frustrating. Mm -hmm. So is there a way for people who who feel that way to still um, get the key to that door? And yes, the answer is yes. So, There are four other ways that you can meal plan. The second one I call the camp system, uh, sort of based on the summer camp model, where every night of the week has a theme or a protein. So we know this as, you know, Taco Tuesdays, Pizza Fridays, um, Fish Wednesdays, whatever it is. So you keep with those themes or proteins, but then the specific recipe can change. So if it's Taco Tuesday, you know, tonight we have uh, uh, beef tacos, next Taco Tuesday, maybe we'll have nachos. The next Taco Tuesday, hey, maybe we'll have quesadillas. So it's all in the same family. It gives you that idea for dinner that overcomes that roadblock of, I don't know what to make. um, And it still allows you to be creative. Um, The the third way to meal plan is what I call the batcher. Uh, So that's somebody who can, you know, spend a day or half a day on the weekend, maybe prepping all kinds of stuff and getting ready for the week. Fantastic system for anybody who truly has no time in the weekday. Like, you know, work is finished and you need to be eating five minutes later. Mm -hmm. It's really great to have the batcher system. The fourth system, which um, so I have a quiz that people can take to find out what type they are. And this turns out the semi, which is the fourth system, um, is the most common. Um, And in fact, it's what I am. And the semi the semi pencils in a couple of meals for the week. Um, so you have stuff on hand to cook, you have ideas for what to cook, but then it's up to you for when you wanna make those meals. So you still feel like you have agency, you still feel like you know, you're know you making your own decisions. Um, and yet at the same time, you're really de-stressing dinner. Mm-hmm. And the final system, um, which is the wingnut system, which everybody loves, is called the wingnut. Um, there are happy wingnuts and there are unhappy wingnuts. Happy wingnuts are really confident cooks who just have a really full pantry and they can cook anything at any time. They also typically don't mind, you know, running out to the grocery store to grab something or eating at 10 o'clock at night because, you know, they got involved in a long cooking process. The unhappy wingnut, um, you know, you've got a pantry full of options, but it still feels like there's nothing to cook and you don't have any ideas um, and you, you kind of need to, well, you need to maybe choose another system. Mm-hmm. So, those are the five systems. And I feel like between those five, every person on earth can customize their own. You know, you use your, maybe you use a few nights of the camp system. Other times you're a batcher, maybe you're a classic, but you always have pizza Fridays. You can always customize your own system that will do so much work into relieving your daily dinner time stress.
0: Mm-hmm. I, when you first taught us these five different kinds of meal planners <laughs> the semi really um, resonated with me and I've since changed because I, I really before was a wingnut I was trying to be the classic and it didn't work for me so <laughs> uh-huh. therefore I just revolted and was a wing wingnut instead because I was like I can't do this yeah it's too, it's too limiting for me um, but ever since you introduced me to the semi I was like oh yes this is me and a little bit of um, the, the theme you know we always do pizza on Fridays so you know yeah. a little bit of that too so I love it because I feel like I feel a lot more like I'm free now but mm. I also am more organized because I am doing some planning and it leaves yeah. me a little bit for my taste buds because I I'm a foodie and I really enjoy my food and so I really like to like okay what am I feeling right now and that yeah. gives me the flexibility to be like you know I'm not feeling like that Indian dish tonight but I am feeling like the tomato soup that I was going to do maybe on Thursday, but I'm going to do it tonight instead. You know, I like that. Yeah. Possibility. And and you've hit on something so important, which is that for many people, if you've heard about meal planning, you've tried
1: the kind of classic system and it hasn't worked for you. You can internalize that feel like a failure, feel like you didn't have the willpower that you're wrong. It is not you. It is your system. And so, you know, it's absolutely not you. And I'm so glad that Tara Lang, you, you felt that the semi really the semi system works for you because I feel the same exactly the same way.
0: Yeah, it's wonderful. Okay, well, I would love to touch on a few things today. First of all, what about, okay, so sometimes when we are simplifying and we are just, you know, trying to kind of approach life from a simple point of view, it is really easy to get in a rut. And even if you're not trying to simplify, it's easy to get into a rut with food. I mean, I have, you know, my family's top five foods that I make a ton of, and it's good. I'm not saying that I, I don't want to come up with a, I don't want to make a new different meal every day of my life. However, there are times where I'm like, oh, I am stuck here. And we have a lot of listeners who feel the same way. So can you give us a few tips on how to help ourselves get out of the rut without overcomplicating it. Because for me, it sounds kind of, the reason why I do it is it sounds kind of exhausting to like go to the effort to find a new recipe, (laughs) scroll through the internet. That's actually something I love about your cookbook is that I can just, (laughs) I can just say, you know, I want a new recipe and I know these are all going to be delicious and I want to spend, you know, 15 minutes, (laughs) or I can just choose my timing because guys, Claire has her cookbook organized into the amount of time it takes to cook it, which is brilliant because depending on the day of the week, I have more or less time. So I do love that. So that's one way. I mean, I'm, I know you're, I'm learning from you here, but that's one way I can suggest is have a good cookbook that you like, that you trust, that you're willing to just flip open and try a new recipe, but, um, can you give us some more tips about how to get out of a dinner rut without over-complicating and bogging ourselves down with two hours of Pinterest searching? Trying <laughs> yeah, totally. It's that's not going to work.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting that, I, cause I feel the same way. Sometimes I think I, I just make the same six meals again and again and again. Um, because it goes back to those roadblocks about dinner I talked about. It's amazing that one of the five most common roadblocks to dinner is not having an idea of what to make. Because you think Mm -hmm. there are a gabillion recipes at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. How can that be the hard part? Well, we know that decision fatigue is real. Um, And after making, you know, I don't know, uh, 104,000 decisions in a day, when it's dinner time, you can pretty much feel Uh, tapped out. You've got no more energy, no more creative energy. And so uh, you just go back to those tried and trues, right? The the usuals, the ones that you know how to make, the ones you already know and love. Okay. So when you decide, okay, I need, we need to try something new. um, As with all things, I always say, hey, lower your expectations. (laughs) It's just dinner. It's no big deal. And you want to start incorporating um, some new ideas into, again, that kind of meal plan, however you're doing it. I would say no less than two new ideas a month, but no more than four new ideas a month. Mm. Because if you're trying to give yourself a new idea every single night, you're, first of all, that's a lot of work. You're exactly right. It's exhausting. But also, you're going to kind of not be able to see the forest for the trees. You want to really make something new experience it with your family. Hey, is this worth a redo? Is it worth going on our favorites list? Maybe it isn't. And if it isn't, Mm -hmm. Mm bye-bye. And if it is, then great. It can become, it it can join your rotation. But if you're trying something new every night, you kind of it gets really tiring really quickly when you do. So like I said, no fewer than two new ideas a month, but no more than four new ideas a month. Mm-hmm. And you actually hit on something super important about just choosing one cookbook. Um, the way that we normally look for new recipes in our family is we take three cookbooks. There are three of us, three cookbooks. We sit at the table everybody gets sticky notes, which my eight-year-old thinks are basically the best thing on earth, right? Sticky notes. And then you go through that one cookbook, each person, and you flag some ideas that look like they could be yummy. You might be interested. And then we just share around and see what everybody else has flagged. And um, if we can kind of get agreement on a couple of new ideas, amazing. Those are the ones we're going to try. But I'm not spending endless hours on Pinterest just tagging things that I think my family would like. No way. It is a joint exercise because, again, going back to those roadblocks, how can you be motivated to make something if no one's going to eat it, right? Yes. I so find that when my husband and my son have skin in the game and they feel like their ideas are really contributing, the um, kind of engagement and acceptance goes way, way up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that goes for me too. Like if my son says, oh, I really want to have, I really want to try this. Uh, what what was it? He really want to try, of course, homemade chicken fingers, of course, right? Classic. Um, great. My husband and I are on board. Fantastic. Yes, this is your choice. We are doing this tonight and we're all going to try it. So getting the family really engaged makes a huge difference. Um, and so just keeping it kind of Uh, small and contained, um, really focusing on just like I said, then you said one or two or three cookbooks or one or two or three websites and really sharing uh, the experience together can make it feel um, like a fun adventure as opposed to, you know, kind of a slog or a challenge.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually had never thought of that (laughs) and using my kids and my husband to help get new ideas. I do like using them when at the beginning of the week when I am planning my meal. I actually don't do this every week, but when I'm kind of looking at what I have for the week, I will ask them because we do a little family council on Sunday before the week starts, just planning our week. Nice. And I do love asking them, are, are there any dinners that you guys are just like craving? And they always name something that I've already made, right? But <laughs> they do, but then they do love it because then when I make that, you know, when I make their chicken roll-ups on Thursday. They're like, oh, yeah, that's what I asked for, you know, yeah. so they feel yeah. ownership, but I had never thought of incorporating their ownership into new ideas. That's yeah. kind of that's a really fun way, the sticky notes and the recipe. Yeah, books. and
1: it's, and even if the kids can't, you know, they're not reading yet, like they can look at pictures too, right? So, wow. um, and that's, my son's always done that from the beginning. He would open a book and just point to the pictures and say, this looks good, this looks good. Oh, that's um, and such a, also such a great way if you have, uh, you know, what, what many call a picky eater amazing way to get them on board Um, Mm. and exactly as you said when they know that like oh tonight like okay so it's taco tuesday night at my house every single tuesday even though my husband and i are so tired of tacos but my son gets so excited it's his night and he's really brings that energy and joy to the table and that makes the whole experience just so much fun
0: oh that is so fun and if you have a cookbook that you trust and you're not giving them this you know this one that's going to make everything take way longer (laughs) exactly Take. <laughs> and another idea I just had with the po- the sticky notes is so so say for me I have four kids but if they each just had a different color of sticky notes yeah. then even if it's a couple months from now I can look and be like oh that one's blue Lydia wanted this one that's yeah. yeah 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 okay Claire that's fun I like awesome. that so that's one way we can so you're saying we can and actually bring our family into the brainstorming realm of getting new ideas and actually giving them a little bit of ownership there. That's Uh a really fun idea. Uh And another thing you're saying here that I think is an important thing to point out when it comes to any creativity or trying something new, it sounds like what you've done is you've set aside a separate time for the thinking about the new food (laughs) instead of it's, you know, you are at the point of decision fatigue being like, Oh, I got to make something new. That's not the time, but maybe at another time when you're actually feeling a little creative, not at four o'clock in the afternoon. (laughs) So I like things there that you're, that you're bringing in their ownership and that you're also setting aside a separate time and making it fun that you're actually thinking of new things. So I think those are two really good tips. So we're not trying to tap into our creativity when we're exhausting yeah yeah you gotta get you know you
1: gotta set yourself up for success right like if you're tired and hungry you're not in a good place to go grocery shopping if you're happy and uh you know just sort of feeling like you might have a bit of energy it's a fun little project and it doesn't have to take a long time um and to your point you can do it once and then you've got all these flags to look at for a couple of months uh if you if you want to just do it that one time and move forward
0: Okay, I love that. So that is those are some excellent tips uh-huh. about getting out of a dinner rut without making it overwhelming, which I really love. Um, the next kind of space I would love to move into with you is we are living in a time now where th- these are good tips for always. However, I mean, we've been living now for the last year with a pandemic, and so people, all of our listeners, are living in different states of Um, Their finances might look different than they looked a year ago. Um, A lot of people are living on a tighter budget than they used to, depending on what happened with your job during COVID. We also have a lot of people who are on lockdown. You mentioned that you just, your restrictions just changed where you live to a lot tighter. So you're kind of stuck in your house more than usual. And I know (laughs) depending on where you live, you might be living just your, you know, you can still go out and you might be kind of stuck where you are. So, Um, so I would love to move into kind of simplifying from a budget standpoint, making sure that we can still feed our family, but be conscientious of our budget. And a few ways to do that is using our freezer and cooking from our pantry. So could you kind of delve into those two areas for us, the freezer and the pantry and how that can apply to simplifying and eating yummy food and helping our budget?
1: Yes, uh, and so much of making dinner is can be about budgeting and can be about just using your money in a much smarter way um, and also feeling less like you're wasting food that can be yes. uh, can just be so soul destroying you know you when you have to throw good food out because it's gone bad oh it's the worst so lots of ideas to kind of overcome that um one thing that you should think about just in terms of, who you are and what you like. And uh, for all of the listeners, are you a person, this is a very controversial issue. Okay. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want any too controversial here, but do you like leftovers or do you not like leftovers? This is huge. And I mean, in some marriages, you know, what the husband does and the wife doesn't, is very controversial. So if you like leftovers, fantastic. Great. No problem. Live your life with the leftovers. If you hate leftovers, you can't make leftovers. So it sounds obvious, but I have so many students who come to me and say, I, you know, I make the, I make extra, I put it in the freezer or I put it in the fridge and then I really just don't ever want to eat it again. And I throw it out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's what we want to avoid. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you love leftovers, fantastic. I personally, I will eat cold dinner Cold last night's dinner for breakfast any day of the week. That's just about my favorite thing on earth. So I'm a big fan of leftovers.
0: You know what? Me, me too. And I think it's yeah, funny you say that about husbands because my husband, like, I mean, he'll never take food home from a restaurant. Like he's like, no, <laughs> I will not. Isn't it food. interesting? Some but people are just like, it's like they can't handle it. They can't do yeah, it. No so problem. <laughs> but the thing I like about it, and the thing I like about it, actually simplifies a lot for me. Is I, me, and my four year old usually eat our leftovers from the night before for lunch the next day. So. Yeah. And it's, you know, because it's not enough to feed our whole family, but it's a nice way to (laughs) simplify Mm -hmm. one of our meals. And it's yummy. And Mm -hmm. I love leftovers. So everybody's happy, but my husband doesn't have to eat them. So yeah,
1: that's good. So it's win-win. So if you, if you uh, like leftovers, that's great. Um, But if you really don't like leftovers, um, I highly recommend that when you are cooking, you consider doing a favor for your future self. So what I mean by this is, it's not like you're making a giant batch of chili and you're gonna eat chili every day uh, for the rest of the week. Instead, you're doing something like um, cooked, say cooked and seasoned taco meat, oh, back on tacos. You can tell it's like, I live in taco land. Um, so maybe you're, you know, you are got your beef out or um, whatever you're gonna put in your tacos, your chicken and you're getting the seasoning going, um, double that. Okay, so double that. This is how you do to favor to your future self. It doesn't take any more time to double that, um, that batch while you're making it. You take half and you put it in the freezer, but instead of that becoming tacos again, you reinvent it. So instead of reheating it and just making the same meal again, you reinvent that and you make it into like a taco pasta casserole or you make it into some kind of fried rice with taco meat in it. So you use that base recipe Um, And then you really, truly reinvent it because that's for people who don't like leftovers. It's just, you don't want to see the same thing again, Mm -hmm. but if you can reinvent it, Oh, fully loaded nachos. One of our family's favorites Mm -hmm. feels really different, feels really exciting, but you've done a lot of the work in advance. Mm -hmm. So those favorites to your future self can be really, really helpful. And they can be as complicated as making something like well one of my favorites whenever i make like a big bolognese sauce and you know mine simmers for like 2 3 hours on the stovetop i make a triple batch mm-hmm. because it takes zero more minutes to make a triple batch as it does to make a single batch but then i freeze it in three portions uh the first batch i would say just throw on pasta and have have you know, spaghetti meat sauce Um, I would have another uh, portion that I would turn into like a squash and bolognese casserole. Mm. And then I might make a lasagna later on in the month. So freezes beautifully. I can reinvent it. And it feels really exciting to the family. Mm. So that's like when you can, anytime that you can make more of something that, you know, you can reinvent in the future, do it because the future self, uh, your future, you is going to be stressed out at some point and need either a meal idea or, you know, most of the meal done. And You're going to be so grateful to have that stuff in the freezer, and it feels so different from having in the freezer a batch of chili or a batch of uh, you know the leftover casserole, macaroni tuna casserole. Um, it really feels like you're reinventing. And my second favorite way to reinvent um, has nothing to do with the freezer, but say uh, anytime you're making um, something like a, you know a piece of meat, so whether it's pork chops or a steak or a roast dinner, again, do double and then reinvent. So we love a roast chicken. That's one of our real favorite uh, set it and forget it weeknight meals. Mm -hmm. And we learned, uh, I don't know, about two years ago that when you're roasting one chicken, um, just roast two. Because on the first night you can have a roast chicken and we get these really small chickens that are like barely three pounds. And so the three of us can easily like take that down in one meal. Mm -hmm. The second roast chicken, then we turn into, two days later we'll turn into like chicken noodle soup or chicken fried rice, or uh, chicken Caesar wraps, something completely different. All the work is completely done, and you're reinventing that flavor, so you're not just revisiting it again.
0: Oh, I think that's brilliant. I And you're actually making me really hungry. hungry? <laughs> <laughs> that's my life. Like, I'm always hungry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We record early. We're recording here early <laughs> in the morning, and I haven't had my breakfast yet, and it's making me very hungry. Um, <laughs> I think the repurposing the meat is so brilliant. One of my favorite of all time that I, it's one of my go back, you know, I go back to it all the time. I do a yummy roast and eat it like a classic roast with whatever I want to eat uh-huh. it. With. And then like two days later, I've repurposed it into some kind of Mexican dish. Cause you just yeah. add a few flavors, add some yeah. taco seasoning yeah. and some lime and orange juice. That <laughs> sounds interesting. I know, but try it. It's delicious. Um, and then yeah do Mexican and my family has no idea that it was just the same meat that we had two nights ago yeah,
1: yeah. but and that's how our grandmas cooked right like th- like th- that's not wasting food that's being smart that's cooking smarter not harder um, and and that is such a
0: oh it's, it's it makes you feel like you truly have a superpower when you can do that mm-hmm. okay I love that so you're saying reinvent uh-huh. you use either our freezer to reinvent or you can just use the same meat Uh a day or two later and repurpose it into something else. Okay. Those are wonderful ways. Good on the budget, good on our minds. It's, is (laughs) simplifying and also so yummy and Uh not wasteful. So, okay. I love that. That's a great tip. Do you have any other tips for the freezer? My, my main problem with the freezer, (laughs) maybe you can help me with this. Uh Um, I do that And then I forget about the taco meat. Oh, yes. Oh, I have the world's best tip for that uh, because I had the same problem. We recently,
1: like at the beginning of the pandemic, we got a chest freezer and and, then I was like, oh, and, and then all that meat just disappears. Okay, so this is an extremely useful tip. It is ridiculously simple. I use it all the time. You take yourself a little piece of paper and you write down what's on in the freezer and you tape it to the freezer. And then when you take something out of the freezer, you cross it off the list. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know it's not rocket science. I cannot tell you how helpful it is Mm -hmm. because every time I walk by my freezer, I kind of might, I kind of, you know, like I, I see out of the corner of my, oh my gosh, I've got a quarter of a ham in there. Mm -hmm. I got to put that into the meal plan. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. So it is completely analog and
0: very basic. But that doesn't mean it's not amazingly useful. Mm -hmm. Oh, that sounds really useful. Okay. I like that. I could also add it. I'm thinking I have a little note in my phone about dinners, like future dinners for the next week. I could just say taco meat, like use the taco meat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this is the
1: thing. It's like, well, you have this food, you may as well eat it, right? instead of, instead of spending money on new food, you may as well eat the food you already have. That's brilliant.
0: I think (laughs) that's my, that's my biggest problem with budget and food is I, I just buy a lot of food and then it sits in my pantry, which moves us to the pantry. So tell me about, Mm -hmm. um, oftentimes if I'm in the mood for a meal, I just buy all the new stuff for the meal, but I, I, I feel like I should start more looking from at my pantry first I think that would really help me from an organizational standpoint and from a budget standpoint. So can you talk to us a little bit about pantries and how we can... use them <laughs> conquer them age. yes
1: use them to our advantage um I, I know i always i get to a point a couple times a year where it seems like i'm just using the front three inches of my pantry and i have no idea what else is back there mm-hmm. um so in fact one of the one of the weeks i, I teach this eight week uh, online course and one of the weeks is devoted to actually decluttering that entire pantry um because what ends up happening is um well first of all great ingredients go to the back and you forget about them um or you buy some something that you had kind of maybe you're curious about or you wanted to try it I call it an aspirational ingredient mm-hmm. and you never actually get it into the meal plan and again it just goes to the back of the pantry mm-hmm. so think of all the stuff that's in the back of the pantry like little stacks of money just waiting there for you to uh to, to be used And
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, so the the very first thing about the pantry is to actually figure out what's in there it's a, a bit of a crummy task, I say, you know, put on either your favorite podcast or your best uh, playlist and just get it done. Um, And you can use that same trick I just talked about for the freezer for the pantry. You know, if you've got a really big pantry and things tend to get lost in there, make a list of what I call the meal makers. So not just like, you know, flour and baking powder, but say canned black beans or um, tins of tuna or uh, whatever it is that you kind of can be turned into a meal really quickly and just get a list of those taped to the door. Uh, Incredibly effective little simple tool there. But one of the things that I think is most important for everybody to have um, in the pantry is the ingredients for what I call a back pocket dinner. And a back pocket dinner is a really simple, really satisfying meal that is made from stuff that you kind of keep on hand all the time. So, you know, the shelf-stable ingredients that we know and love, uh, canned beans, pasta, uh, canned tomatoes, uh, tuna, um, or even things that you maybe always have on hand, like eggs and cheese and milk and flour. And so to identify for yourself what your family's back pocket dinner is... When you know what that is, and so for example, uh, one of mine is pancakes. You know, pancakes for dinner, or another one is pasta with um, a little bit of garlic and olive oil, really simple, uh, or even quesadillas with black beans and cheese. So some really really simple, satisfying dinners that I can make from the stuff I have on hand, um, and that I know I always have on hand. So that's a back pocket dinner, and always make sure that you've got that stuff. So um, I now, you know, if I, if I'm at the grocery store, I'm always picking up a can of black beans because <laughs> it's, if, first of all, it never goes bad. Um, and I just feel better knowing that if my meal plan goes sideways, if suddenly I'm not feeling great, if um, you know, the chicken we were going to eat has actually expired, I can lean on that back pocket dinner and still get a delicious home cooked meal on the table. Um, the back pocket dinner is usually something, you know, I kind of know, ish by heart, or I can kind of, you know, kind of make it up out of my head. Doesn't take much more than 15 minutes. Um, Really, really simple, but again, still satisfying, still a delicious dinner. The the best thing that you can do for yourself and for your pantry is to make sure that you've got the ingredients in there um, to make a back pocket dinner. So a backpack dinner for me is, um, you know, something really simple, really satisfying. It's a full dinner, so it's not just a bowl of cereal. Um, but I can make it from the ingredients that I always have on hand, things that last forever. Like, you know, I take black beans and some cheddar cheese and turn them into quesadillas with uh, tortillas from the freezer or I take some pasta and a bit of garlic and olive oil, some parmesan, turn that into a great dinner. Mm. Or, you know, a can of tuna and make some tuna melts. Um, so it's ingredients that I always have on hand as a simple supper. It comes together pretty quickly. So the backpack of dinner, it's like it's like the fail safe, you know, it's sort of the backup plan. Uh, as much as, you know, we, you want a meal plan and you, you've got your stuff in order and you're organized hey, life happens, right? You know, the commute is extra long or the chicken you were gonna eat is expired or you gotta dash off to pick up a prescription at the last minute before the drugstore closes. you need to still have the, um, the tools at your disposal to make dinner. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and the backup dinner, the back pocket dinner is your backup plan instead of ordering takeout. Nothing wrong with ordering takeout every now and then. But when you're trying to save money, you're trying to get all those benefits of a family dinner, you want to be able to have that back pocket dinner. So whatever is in your pantry, make sure that you think about what it is and whether or not you can make dinner out of it. And that's your back pocket dinner.
0: Hmm, I, I agree. I think backpacker dinners are crucial and we all have our favorites, right? Maybe it'd be fun to, I just wrote down some of those that you just mentioned and maybe Felicia and I will write down our, ours and we'll put them in our little email because I think it's so good. Sometimes, honestly, just hearing you talk, I love tuna melts, but I had yeah. kind of forgotten about tuna melts. So yeah. you saying that made me remember, oh my gosh, I can add tuna melts because I always have tuna always. I mean, I yeah. love tuna. And I love grilled cheese. So um, anyway, it's kind of fun to hear what everybody else's back pocket dinners are because they are. They're so good to have around. And there's sometimes, I mean, like last night I was going to make um, Indian butter chicken and I realized we were about to go somewhere we would we would all be smelling like butter chicken. And so at the very last minute, I decided to do grilled cheese and tomato soup instead. Yeah. Um, so there's sometimes where you're just plans change. And so having those back pocket dinners is really helpful. I love it.
1: Yeah. And you can never have too many, right? Like that's the other thing. mm -hmm. Um, you know, having one is critical. Having three is great, but having 20 fantastic, like Mm -hmm. uh, outstanding. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And your pantry is a great space for that because most of those things you just mentioned, you know, dry pasta, all those kinds of things, they just work well in a pantry. And so they can last a long time. So you can stock up a little bit on them.
1: Okay, and that's I'm, also great like you you mentioned that like uh so i'm the my my lockdown restrictions just got really really a lot tighter uh for us starting uh, actually midnight last night um so we're back to you know shopping once every two weeks and mm. that means that by the end of that two-week window i'm leaning on the pantry big time right um mm. i'm leaning on my canned corn and canned beets um for my vegetables and of course the freezer frozen vegetables and stuff so you know i've got applesauce in there. There, um, because the fresh fruits and vegetables have run out. Mm -hmm. It feels like a very old fashioned way of living, but it makes me feel a lot safer. And knowing that you can cook something out of what you've got on hand again, superpower, you feel like total superwoman.
0: Mm -hmm. I really love that. Do you, can we talk a little deeper into budget? Because I know that that is a big issue for a lot of people always, but especially right now. Um, Do you set yourself a and maybe not just for yourself, but what do you teach your students to do? Do you set your, like setting a specific budget for the week? I mean, obviously this is individual family by family, but if your goal is to stay within a certain budget for the month, um, do you just buy until you run out and then lean on your pantry for the rest of the time? Or do you have any tips to help, help with actually sticking to a budget? Because I sure have a hard time with that, with my food.
1: It is hard. And I don't know about you, but it seems like every January we get this news bulletin that the price of food is going to, quote unquote, go up this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's that's really, yeah, it's something that we have to be conscious of. And I feel like not enough people talk about the economics of food. Um, So the number one thing you can do to save money is meal plan. Um, 100%. It means that when you go into the grocery store, you have a plan, and it means that you're going to use what you buy uh, instead of buying something and then throwing it out, right? So that's a huge, huge deal. Um, And everything I talked about uh, around leftovers is also important. So not throwing out those leftovers, cooking something, and then reinventing it if you need to. Um, Another one of my favorite things to do, and when you are meal planning, I highly encourage you to incorporate at least once a week, if not once every two weeks, um, what we in our family call scraps night, (laughs) which means um, we're just eating what's around. And sometimes that's a back pocket dinner or sometimes it's, oh, you know what? I've still got that bag of coleslaw mix that we never used. Okay, we're having coleslaw tonight. Oh, -hmm. you know what? There's that thing of chicken thighs in the freezer. Um, I'll defrost that. Mm -hmm. Um, Like eat what you got because, uh, you know, you're just sort of leaving money on the table there. Um, So eat what you've got. Um, And so if you're meal planning, and you're eating what you've got and you're reinventing leftovers, you're already so much closer to um, not wasting money by wasting food. We personally, um, in our family, we, have, we buy groceries uh, with cash uh, and that keeps us in a fairly strict budget. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I, I'm pretty inventive, of course, like this is my business, so I can always make something up and I'm very lucky that <laughs> my husband will literally eat anything I put in front of him. <laughs> it's a really great person to have on hand, especially when my eight-year-old will not. <laughs> um, so we, we really, uh, we do stick to a budget and, um, in tor- terms of just stretching that budget in when I'm actually in the grocery store. Um, you know, one of the obvious ones is to look for what's on sale and to be flexible. Um, I really think that there are only seven ingredients that you ever buy that are worth a splurge. Um, and Everything else, buy what's on sale, buy the no-name brand, um, you know, whatever it is, it does not matter. You're not going to taste it in the quality of the food you make.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and also, you know, you shop what's in season in terms of fruits and vegetables. So Uh, you know, fresh berries, they're kind of off the table for winter. I I live in Canada, so we lean on frozen berries all through the winter. We we eat apples and oranges and grapefruits and frozen berries. Um, The the vegetables we eat are the ones that are local and so inexpensive, Uh, you know, potatoes, cabbages, squash, uh, you know, it's very old-fashioned in that sense, but it is an extraordinarily effective way to really stretch your dollar, um, and, um, yeah, that doesn't really affect what you cook, uh, or in terms of like, you're still getting nourished and you're still getting everything that you need that way. Um, but you're just making that dollar go a little bit further.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a really good tip. I also, as you were saying that I kind of had this feeling of really overwhelming gratitude that we live in a time where we can have frozen fruits and vegetables that, yeah. we, you know, it's just really nice that we can't in a really affordable way, still get a lot of nutrition in seasons that in season, you know, in generations past in the winter, it's really hard to get any kind of fruit unless it's like in a preserve, you know, jam or something. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm honestly just really grateful that yeah, you're right. Berry (laughs) fresh berries in the winter are really expensive, but I have a ton of frozen berries in my freezer, you know, so that yeah, 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 it's something, and they're fun. and they're
1: just as nutritious, right? Like the I'm sure everybody's over that misconception. Like, just because they're frozen, doesn't mean they're any less good for you. In fact, sometimes they're better for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So anyway, that's just I'm feeling a moment of gratitude here that we even <laughs> <laughs> and also that we can have things in our pantry. That I mean, canning is wonderful, and I there are some things that I do can myself that I really enjoy but I sure do love that I can have tons of fruits and vegetables in my pantry that I didn't have to actually. I know, myself. Right? Yes. <laughs> anyway, oh, it's, it's, there's a lot to be grateful there for. Okay. Those are such good tips. So you're saying for budget purposes, using cash, I mean, that's just a great budget overall for anything. Yeah.
1: One of my best friends is a financial, uh, like a personal financial advisor. (laughs) So (laughs) he gives me lots of tips on the side, which is great.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. So you're saying for you, you use cash, Yeah. you, um, buy things that are in season. You don't worry about name brands, except for the few things that do matter to you. And like, for me, it's always, for me, I spend a lot of my money on produce and I know it's more yeah. expensive and and I also spend more money on high quality meat. Yep. Because yeah, because it's because it's important to my value system like you know like I do like humanely raised and stuff and they're more expensive, but those matter to me whereas everything else I don't care what brand it is. So, I mean you just choose what you value the most completely and then don't care about, you know, then you can go Yeah, to, you don't need to buy the San Marzano
1: tomatoes at $5 a can, right? Like
0: get the 99 cent a can tomatoes. They're fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I love that. Those are all good tips. And then I think you are definitely right on the, it comes down to meal planning. If we can just meal plan, that helps our budget so much. And I love your scraps night. That happens every once in a while to me when I just have a bunch of, they're yummy, but just like a lot of leftovers in my fridge. And I will, and my kids love it. I told you that my husband- he doesn't like taking stuff home from the restaurant, but he will also eat, eat anything I put on the table, <laughs> but my kids love it. Cause it's the one time, I mean, we're all have four different meals kind of out and they get to just kind of like potluck style, just to eat from yeah. it. And they think it's actually really fun. So I kind yeah. of like the idea of just naming it. This is scraps night. And, night. <laughs> and, and actually it probably is a good idea to maybe make space for that. If you're having it regular, like me, I have regularly, I mean, in my fridge, I have extra food often. So maybe I should just incorporate it like once a week on like a Saturday night or something where I normally wouldn't be doing a big meal anyways. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe just having it be scraps day. I kind of like that.
1: Yeah. And that's, it's usually our Monday night because, uh, we often have roast dinner on uh Sunday and you, know, you talked about roast dinner. My husband is uh, British. So it, like it, it could be 49,000 degrees in the middle of summer and we still have to have a roast beef on a Sunday <laughs> night and gravy. Um, but it means that then Monday, yeah, some. Sometimes there's leftovers, sometimes there's not. Um, sometimes, you know, I got to take back sausages out of the freezer to thaw because we don't have any meat left. So it's just like, it's our Monday night. It's our thing. And yeah, my, my son loves it too. Sometimes I'll just put a block of cheese on the table with a serrated knife and like mm-hmm. terrific. Right. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's yeah. really playful. Um, such a great lesson to teach our kids as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Like to use up what you've got. Um, and Hey, why not if when dinner is playful and fun and a little bit different and exciting, that is like such a super five-star gold star win for me that uh, I don't care what it takes to get me there.
0: Mm. Oh, that's so fun. Do you, I mean, I know right now you said you're limited because of uh, COVID-19 stuff. You can only go to the store every two weeks, but um, in regular life, do you go on a certain day of the week? Because I noticed for me, for budget purposes, the more I go, the worse it is for my budget. Like if I'm doing last minute, like, oh, I just need a loaf of bread. And then I end up with, you know, 10 other things as well. Uh It's really helpful for me if I limit myself to, I only go on Thursdays. Do you go just once a week or how do you plan your going to the store?
1: really it really depends because so much of my work is food based and you know if I'm teaching a class um and I'll be doing you know demoing a recipe uh, this actually happened to me the other day I had one thing that I had forgotten and I had to go Mm -hmm. back Mm -hmm. which I hate but then like you said I go back I was going back for canned lentils and I ended up getting this and that and this and that and the other thing um so for my work it's typically I I need to be able to have those last minute runouts but normally I go on Wednesday mornings which is the day after the store go-to gets their deliveries. So I find it is the time when they have the best supply. Mm. Um, yeah. And I try to just do one big shop for the week. Um, but inevitably there are times when I have to run out and pick something else up.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Me too. My, (laughs) I found that if I just don't walk past the artisan cheese section... (laughs) That helps me because it's the artisan cheeses that I just uh, see. And I'm like, oh, I really want to try that one. And they're just so yeah. yummy to snack on. I don't need a meal. You know, I just oh, yeah, want no. Just a snack. Oh,
1: totally. <laughs> totally. I'm with
0: you. Okay. That's so fun. I used to, this is just a tip that I'm just throwing out there. I used to really try to be organized about only going once a week. And so I'd go on Mondays. I'd plan my week on Sunday and then I'd go on Monday. But then guys, the problem is on the weekends, I usually, we do some kind of combined family dinner with either my mother-in-law or my mom. Or, you know, maybe we're going to a friend's house or there's a party where I'm bringing food. And so it was making so that I was doing two big grocery shops a week. And so just switching my grocery shopping day to Thursday, when I know what my weekend food assignment is going to be, has really helped me in simplifying my grocery shop, being flexible, obviously, like you were saying, sometimes you just need something else and I'll just go get it. And that's fine. But that's just a little tip. If you guys are listening and you're like, I really want to try to cut it down to just once a week you might just need to change the day because I had to. And when I did, I was like, oh yes, this, this works much better. I'm not going to do two big grocery shops for the weekend. So, so good. So smart. Okay, Claire. So thank you. I am loving all of these tips you gave us. Can you just tell us before we go? Um, and I will include all these in your show notes, but just your favorite place for our listeners to find you.
1: Uh, clairetansy.com c-l-a-i-r-e-t-a-n-s-e-y.com is the site Um, and if you want to find me on any of the socials it's actually backwards tansy claire Um, somebody was claire tansy before i joined so i'm tansy claire Mm -hmm. um, and i would love to see you there and we have great communities on all the social media platforms but um, come to my website and you can find out everything you need to know
0: awesome claire as always you are fabulous and inspiring and i Look forward to hearing what our listeners do with your tips and how it works for them. So great to be with you, thanks, Carolyn. Okay, thanks. Let's find the magic. <clears throat> me 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 <laughs> <Brown cows. laughs>